Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. How did you get, you said, I was just a guy who was in the right place at the right time, you know, when all this was, you know, just... Well randomly fall into the right place at the right time. For example, like we've had had a fellow yeah. on the, and uh, he worked with Jeff Bezos, you know, in artificial intelligence his, yeah. his second year out of Stanford. But, it, you know, he worked with him for like 12 years every day. And uh, yeah. the thing is like, well, he actually studied artificial intelligence and majored yeah. in it. And, you know, he, yeah. he had the credentials <laughs> to, to get that position. You know, it wasn't random. Of, yeah, I know. It wasn't random. And so, what got, what do you think got you moving in the right direction? What kind of things were you curious about, interested yeah. in, attracted to? So I didn't speak English until I was six. So math was my thing. I competed in math contests. I'm an Asian, so I'm like naturally good at math. I had a perfect SAT in math. And wow. someone who, who was the CEO of American Airlines kind of took interest in me as a mentor. And he taught me and opened up opportunities. And when American Airlines wanted to build their website in the mid-90s, he naturally said, well, Dennis should be the one. So that's what I did. And I learned how to work with large data systems. So Sabre, which back then, and still is today, I think the world's largest commercial data system, I'd integrate that with the frequent flyer system, which is all the people who have miles. That's, that's called right. the Adams, the customer system for American Airlines and then integrate it with the website that we're building. So I had to integrate really, really large data sets 25 plus years ago. And because of what happened at, at American Airlines, that just happened to put me in the right spot with Yahoo because when I was an American, I had to buy traffic. I had to manage a huge email list of several million people. I had to manage all these different applications of things that you could do on the website, like check your miles and buy a ticket and give us your hotel preferences and you know, check your, your frequent, or your, um, you know, the, the car rental partnerships, you know, redeem miles, all these sorts of things. And so that couldn't have happened unless a mentor believed in me. But then right. what could have happened before that was, I, you know, I had to get good at math in order for a mentor to see like, oh, this guy's actually good at math and building websites. So I built a number of websites before I then went to American and American then led to Yahoo, which is sort of like the big data prize of them all. Like it made a lot of sense yeah. for me to go, like I've always been headed towards wherever the most data is. So, and after Yahoo, I, I worked on Facebook data because Facebook then had arguably more data. Wow. Now, when you get, you know, you come in, it's one thing to get anointed, you know, to come in, we'll have Dennis do it, but you got to perform and you got to put teams together. Yeah. And probably not everybody was voting for Dennis. You know, I know how corporations work. A lot of politics. <laughs> But I could always uh, go to the big boss. <laughs> yeah. And so it gave you an incredible advantage. But, you know, the jealousies, the old people, you know, the old, you know, inside the big corporation, you always oh, yeah. have people that have been there forever. And a oh, lot yeah. of them are writing it out. They don't want to ch make big technological changes until they retire because they know it's going to be a big thing. Yeah. And they just, you know, they're going to fight against all of that stuff. But yeah. you have to get people you know, it's not one thing to have the math skills. It's another thing to have the people skills. Yeah. What did you learn about and what surprised you about 
the necessity for getting the people skills working in your favor? I was a great academic. I was great at test taking and essays and getting straight A's. But then when I got into the real world, I thought that being competent was enough. And then I later realized that I thought, you know, like I wanted to work at Nike when I came out of high school. I was idealistic, right? And I thought, Nike, what, is, what, what do you think Nike is if you're you know, 17 years old? You think it's a bunch of athletes having fun? You don't think of corporations right. and managers and cubicles and you know, yeah. forms and security and legal. And so I was just massively just disappointed because when I hit the corporate world, I was thinking like, oh, American Airlines, we get to talk about flying planes all the time. No, we're in, we're in offices having meetings and there's politics. I have so many knives in the back of, of my back, right? Of some people <laughs> who have stabbed me. And I realized 90% of it is in building relationships and only 10% of it is competency, which just puzzled the heck out of me. Please say that again. Please say that again. Yeah, 90% of it is relationships and 10% of it is competency. So it wasn't until I learned how to communicate that my career started going the right way. So I get, get this. You probably did this too, Larry. I did Toastmasters. That's how I learned to speak. Yeah. I was so scared of speaking if, if the phone would ring on my desk, I wouldn't answer it because I wouldn't know what to do. I was so scared of it. I wouldn't talk in meetings because I don't know what to say. I was just, I didn't want to talk. I wanted to hide behind email and reports and things like that. So the biggest change for me in the last 20 years is learning how to communicate publicly, having the courage to be on a podcast like this and not be worried about people judging me or, or whatnot. But the, the EQ and, and management skills I would argue was has been way more important to me than being technically competent. But if I wasn't technically competent, then I couldn't have had these other things happen. Just so you, you know, if it'll make you feel any better, I know multi-million dollar earners, in part, you know, they're members of big organizations that at conventions where the convention, the the bulk of the people there will be on their own team. Yeah. They have they have such a shyness to, about their personal. To, they're afraid to go out of their room. You know, they yeah. got a force at a convention yeah. that they're a hero. Everybody wants, but they're afraid to get out there. And uh, so that is a real problem. But uh, the fact that you faced up to it and found, how do you even find out about Toastmaster? A friend recommended it. Uh-huh. Co-worker yeah. of mine. And so was that... That a struggle for you? Did you say, okay, I'll go this afternoon? Did you just have to think about it, check it out? Uh, I was scared to death of public speaking. I think most people are initially if they want to be honest about it. Right. And it was only a few months after that that I gave the closing keynote at a conference with 2,000 people. So imagine I have no public speaking experience. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't even talk in a room of three people in a conference room because I'm forgetting what to say and I'm nervous. And then I have to scroll out on stage in front of 2,000 people. They're playing the walk-up music. There's My face is on the giant screen behind me. I have to deliver a one-hour presentation that motivates a whole group of software executives. I think I did okay. And, and people came, I thought, I, I don't know, I was nervous. So I wasn't really sure. But so many people came up and said, dude, you killed it. I had a standing ovation. So I thought, ah, I could probably do this thing. Yeah. And so do you remember what you talked about, what the, what the subject was? It was the future of CRM. In multi-channel. So a CRM is customer relationship marketing. Yeah. It's the idea. So I gave the example of, you know, back then, if you complain to the airline, let's say that you are on a flight, you opened up the overhead bin and a bag fell on your head. 
right. and you got mad. So then what do you do? You go to the reservations desk there and you complain, right? The, the yeah. check-in account, you complain like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm mad. And what do they do? If you're smart, you know that they can award you 2,000 miles without needing to escalate to a manager, right? That's discretionary. But you can also call. You can call the 1-800-433-7300 or whatever it is for American Airlines, and they'll give you 2,000 miles. But you can also write in to customer relations. And so all these different departments, they don't talk to each other. You can send a message like an email through the website and, and complain, hey, a bag fell on my head. I'm an important traveler. A bag fell on my head. Give me some miles because I'm a loyal customer. So you could probably get 10,000 miles because each of these departments are not communicating with each other. Because what happens is that each of these guys is a separate system. So there's a system for the phone calls. There's a system for email. There's a system for what happens at the airport. There's system, there are all these different systems and they don't talk to each other. So what we need to do in order to provide a great customer experience is, so Larry, if you call me, if you call American Airlines on the phone and you tell me something about that you, you really like to go to, to you know, um, sunny destinations because you like the beach, right? right? And I track that. Then anytime you engage with me in any of the, on the plane or at the airport or an email, or maybe you get a monthly statement saying this is what your status is and how many miles you're in, it, that, that communication on any channel should reflect anything that we learned from any other channel. So all of these need to tie back to a central database to be able to personalize how we treat you. So if you look at, I stayed at the Ritz last night and they have fantastic service, not just because they train their people really well, but you know they have systems to remember who you are and what your preferences are. So then when you stay at another Ritz, they're going to remember that you like soft pillows or that you like to have extra towels, or just some kind of thing. And so you just feel super special when they remember details like that about you. So I was talking about yeah. how we can build systems to enable that. Yeah, and so uh, well done to get a standing ovation on you know a t- topic that is not naturally infused with a lot of humor and laughs. You know, but <laughs> So yeah. when you point out the thing that I was uh, wanting to get at earlier, like the different divisions, the different, they have their own little empires inside corporations. And yeah. that's what, uh, uh, back when corporations were getting their own websites, that's when the battle inside the corporations really uh, unfolded, where the battle for real estate, uh, you know, on the homepage, you know, the yeah. different departments, you know, it was like, uh, it was like Europe back when they're medieval uh, the knights are going back and they're fighting each other, you know, for, for yeah. land, you know, this is, you know, this is my castle and all the uh, fiefdoms. Yeah. Fiefdoms. <laughs> That's a word. And silos, you know, but, 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 you know, all of that, you know, cause they're, they want to look good to the boss. You know, they, yep. you know, they, they don't want to be, you know, pushed to the side by some other department. And so, you see why they do that, but it gets to be, you talk about politics, you know, this is election day. And, yeah. uh, politics is on everybody's mind. Yet there's uh, no more vicious politics and people fighting for their own jobs and their teams inside yeah. these corporations. And yeah. uh, you go in, but I've always thought, you know, what I what I found was that I learned this. I did. I, I figured this out early in the game that the, the computer guys were like the green berets of the corporation. If you needed something, when anybody needs a special project done from the CEO 
all the way down. If you get a special project, you got to call in special forces and that's the computer guys. And so I made it my job to become first name basis with all of those guys. And as a result, I got a lot of my projects done way in advance of the CEO because they just liked me better, you know? Because you were nice and, to them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, be nice to them. And it was like, and when I first went over to their building, you know, I'm, I'm in the field, you know, in sales. Yeah. And uh, when I went over there, it was like Marco Polo, you know, in, in a foreign land. They said, you know, we've heard about you. We've seen your name for years. You know, we've never actually knew that we would see you in person or or any of your kind, you know, any of the uh, You're like an things. alien. <laughs> yeah, like an alien inside the computer building. But when you come up with things, you know, you get, you deal with the facts, you put it together, you analyze it, you know, like this, we're not, not up for debate anymore. You know, we've, we've got the data, we've analyzed it. Things need to be done. Now you go back over to this entrenched bureaucratic world where they're not interested in making that. How do you go? And, and to be honest, it's not always smart to make wholesale changes overnight, right. you know, because there's the unintended consequences type yeah. uh, effect. How yeah. did you get your first education and learn about the, yeah. you know, best ways, best practices of implementing these kinds of, of changes that, me, you know, really would you. make everybody's life better, you know? So it's a two-pronged strategy. So the yeah. first prong is political. So whenever I want to get something done, I always get the buy-in of the big boss. Because if the big boss wants to do it, it's a lot easier than trying to talk to a coworker and a manager and a director and a VP. It's power flows down. So you can never try right. to convince your way all the way up. That's just too many meetings. Someone's going to, the, the minute someone above you kills your idea, it basically dies. So you always start top down as high as possible, all the way down. Yeah. The other side of this is you want to have some kind of logical Thing. So I just told you before about metrics analysis action, using the data, yeah. drawing the conclusion of what's going on, and then here's the recommendation of, therefore, what do we need to do? So what I would do to manipulate the situation for any decision I wanted to make was, listen to this, Larry. So if I want to spend another $5 million to buy servers, then I have to justify that. And that's because our website is you know, running slow because we need to add more servers because our, our traffic is going up because... Uh, It'll cost us this much in sales by not having more machines to be able to allow our red. I'm, I'm simplifying, but to allow our website right. to run faster. Right. And then here's the stats showing that our current servers are running slow. And here's how many people are coming to our website. And here's long, how long it takes for the web pages to load. And here's how much our projection is for what our traffic's going to look like. So if I go metrics, here's all my stats and performance to analysis. We are. Already almost at, we're at 85% capacity. And in six months, we're going to run out of space. So we, we need to double our server load because our growth is at this level. The action is, therefore, we need to order six Sun E10,000 systems with 32 CPUs and 32 gigs of RAM each to be able to keep up with our server load, right? right. So I, I found kind of as the computer guy, the data guy, here's the insight. Whoever controls the data, whoever's closest to the data, is in the best position to be able to provide the analysis, right? Because they're the closest to the data if you know how to communicate about the data. If you know how to communicate about the data, you can then make recommendations. Because if you're analyzing the data, no one can challenge you because you've got the the data. 
But from the right. recommend, you know, from the analysis, I can yeah. bridge that straight to the recommendation. So if, if there's any action that I want, I can always back that into the analysis and, and then find the data to be able to support that. And thus, no one could ever challenge me in any situation at any company that I've been at because I'm the one closest to the data. And how is anybody, unless they're competent at pulling data as good as I am, because I know how to manage huge databases, nobody can challenge me because that's how I win, right? I can always trace it back to the data, produce the charts. If I have the political skill and I have the data, I win. Then it's left brain and right brain. If I do just one or the other, I'm dead. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.